This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Ken Allison on the R Value Podcast, and today we are talking with Rockwool. That is not a sweater you wear to a concert. It's an insulation product. Actually, it's a lot more than an insulation product. And I have Brendan and Jason from Rockwool this morning. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing great, Ken. Thank you. Very, very good. Brendan, let me start with you. What, what got you in? Why Rockwool? Well, I think, uh, yeah, Rockwool... Uh, from the start, it was very sustainable in my eyes. I mean, they're they're very energy conscious. They're they're really into it uh, with the planet and and trying to be very energy efficient. So I think that's what spoke most to me when starting with the company uh, four years ago now. Beautiful, Jason. How about you? Didn't aren't you like archaic with the company? Didn't you found it or something? Yeah, well, I've been here for uh, about twelve years now, and what got me was. Uh, the multitude of products that we offer for different applications in residential and commercial buildings. Um, I felt like we could offer something for, for everything and, and really target uh, a lot of customers. Beautiful. Now, what's the most innovative use you've seen? You said there's a lot of uses. What, what do you think's the most innovative use you've ever seen? Well, from my point of view, um, you know, like I said, I've been here for 12 years and I've seen all the building uh, products that we that we make and and sell for residential and commercial buildings, but God, I didn't know anything about uh, agricultural use with Rockwool, um, our Grodan line and and our line of of ceiling tile uh, products. I, I didn't know anything about that before coming over to this side of our business. And some of the stuff that we're doing uh, within Rockwool in different segments around the world. It's just so interesting and fascinating. And it, it goes back to that sustainability conversation as well. Well, I know I've seen you guys used on kilns. I've seen you used in power plants. Um, what's, what's an ag use that, that caught your, your attention? Sure. So it's a product called Grodan and, uh, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Uh, but, but, and maybe Brendan can offer a little bit more detail on it. But uh, it's it's basically a block of of stone wool insulation. Um, I think without the binder that holds water um, and and creates uh, a more favorable or effective way of of growing tomato plants. You know, uh, now it's medical cannabis um, is really getting going to be a big thing for them. Um, a multitude of products or a multitude of plants and, and fruits that that uh, they want to grow in greenhouses. And Brendan, maybe you know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I, I mean, the main thing that is different between our product and Grodan is uh, our product, we, we put a basically a, an oil into the product that repels water, so nothing can get into the product. Uh, I am Grodan, glad you said that. 
I am so <laughs> glad you said that because, yeah, when, when, you know, at first with what Jason said, I was like, oh boy, well, but when you look at your product on the outside of a building, explain why it repels that water because a lot of people get worried. You know, when we look at building, 8% of the cost of a building is damp proofing or moisture proofing, and yet 80% of the lawsuits are moisture related. So explain that process of the oil and how the product actually repels that. That's, that's a big point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I won't get into too much of the detail of the production, but basically when the, the product is being produced, uh, it's spun into these fibers. And right at the beginning, when these fibers are created, there is an oil basically uh, sprayed into the product uh, so that it's throughout the entire uh, product. It's not just sprayed onto the, the face at the end, it's throughout the entire product. And it really just repels any moisture that may come in contact with it. So if uh, something is splashed onto it, it beads up and, and uh, rolls off the, the face of the product. Um, that's outstanding. That's, so yeah. anytime I've got this in a wall, it is not going to retain moisture. No, no, not at all. Okay. So that also leads to, I don't want to, you know, obviously set it into a trough or something like that, that would catch the moisture. So, you know, we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, one of the big things that uh, people have talked about lately is the deal with the lead times. Uh, obviously, there, there are ways out. Uh, any relief on lead times in the future and being able to get product into people's hands a little quicker, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Ken... Um we do have a factory being built in Ranson, West Virginia. Uh, it's it's been a long, uh, long time coming for that factory be, to be completed, but it'll be complete uh, in the middle of the year this year. We're going to say uh, June of this year, um, so that'll bring some relief to the lead times. Outstanding. Uh, the, yeah, but the lead times are really uh, it because of the demand in the industry, and I think you guys have seen that there's demand for every type of insulation out there right now. I mean, everything from fiberglass to stone wool to, to granulate to, uh, to foam, um, people are just taking whatever they can get. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a matter of demand supply and demand for us. You know, we just can't, we can't keep up right now. And, uh, we're, we're trying and we will be able to once the Ransom factory comes along. Beautiful. Now that branch factory. So what does that do in terms of your capacity? Does it add 10%, 20%, 30%? Sure. So the Ranson factory will be our fourth Stonewall factory in North America. So I guess you could say we're at, Brandon, what do you think? We're adding 25% if we're. Yeah. Yeah. 25 to 30% probably uh, based off of the size of the factory. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably the most innovative, most kick-butt factory that could be made. So it's certainly probably going to add quite a bit of you know breadth to what you guys can do. Yeah, and you know what? It's going to be um, it's going to be fired by natural gas. Uh, it'll be uh, uh, they'll use natural gas to to uh, uh, manufacture the product, whereas most of our other factories around the world uh, use use a, a coal-based product called coke. Um, there are some others around the world that do use natural gas, uh, but this is the first one in North America. Really? So is that going to take quite a bit less energy then to do it? I would say so. Um, I would say yes. And it's more favorable to the community out there in Ranson. 
Um, it's going to take less trucks coming in with, um, you know, you know the, the the coke that is needed to fire a, a normal factory of ours or a different factory of ours. Um, I just think it's a, it's a better solution. It goes along with that sustainability conversation as well. That's good because architects right now, you know, embodied energy and what it takes to actually make a product is a pretty big deal. It's something that architects are focusing on. And, you know, when you think of that, obviously, you guys have really been growing exponentially over the years. Mineral wool has kind of caught fire. What would you say is in terms of your products, what is your fastest growing market? For us, um, I, I want to say that the exterior wall products are our fastest growing market right now, or our fastest growing opportunity. When you say exterior, are you talking commercial like Cavity Rock, or are you talking um, bats in residential? I'm talking uh, exterior wall, the envelope of a building. So Cavity Rock, Comfort Board, Curtain Rock, those products uh, on residential and commercial buildings. We've got a specifications team out there working with architects um, to make sure that we're included in those specifications because of things like NFPA 285 and fire concerns, also moisture concerns and um, sustainable R value concerns uh, on buildings, again, whether it's residential or commercial. So uh, I think that's our, a huge opportunity for us uh, moving forward in the U.S., and North America, frankly. Well, certainly with the code moving insulation to the outside of the building, you guys are going to play a big part in that because it, that goes right back to moisture. If we want the building to dry out, then you know having the outside of the building have a very low uh, or a very high amount of perms available is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, right. We want we know that moisture is going to get behind that facade. Um, on a building and, and we want it to be able to dry outward. We don't want it to dry inward. And that's a big part of the conversation. That's perfect. Now on the, I think we talked about this before, but the blown in insulation, we, we have so many insulators and, you know, there was obviously the company in Texas at one point that made a lot of loose film mineral fiber uh, type insulation. Are you guys doing any kind of blowing wool or anything like that? Right now, we don't offer anything in the granulate uh, part of the business. Uh, years back, I want to say almost when I started, we we tried to get into something like that, but it, the machines we felt weren't weren't the right fit for uh, our product. The the machines that are out there right now, um, so we stopped that, and uh, we don't have anything to offer right now. But we're always looking to expand, and, and I think we're doing some research on that. Uh, on that end as well. Brennan, if you have anything. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we are uh, looking into it. Um, and it's one of the, I think, many different applications that we're looking at entering uh, or entering again um, with some of this updated technology that are coming into the new factories now. Um, it is uh, certainly a possibility down the road. Now, are there any other new products you guys are working on or anything you can divulge? Any Anything coming out? Well, you know, we, we just launched our our uh, cavity rock black line. So uh, that's a great new product for exterior wall insulation. So I'm sure everybody has heard of cavity rock um, and it comes unfaced at, at the moment, but uh, cavity rock black is used behind an open jointed facade. So where you have um, metal wall panels on the exterior of a building where 
uh, you can see through the the joints or the seams of the panels. Uh, a lot of architects like like it to be darkened or uh, a different color than, than green, our unfaced version. So we put a black facer on it. Uh, so it's aesthetically really pleasing and, and architects just love it. Oh, they love open joint cladding and being able to get that three-dimensional look back in behind yeah. the panel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other product is um, we, we introduced a few new comfort bat uh, R-values uh, last year, uh, R13, R21, and R38. So typically what you would see in the market is, is comfort bat R15, R23, and R30. Uh, to give you that uh, added value, added R value. Um, so, so contractors could put in um, a product with, with a little bit more R value to give, you know, to give the homeowner or the building owner a, a peace of mind that they're getting, they're getting more for their money. Um, so we, we introduced something to, to just go along with code for that contractor that maybe they don't really um, they're not offering, you know, an added value like that. They just want to go ahead and go along with the code of R13 or 21 or, or 38. So we just introduced those um, last year as well for wood stud cavities. And what about install features? I mean, you know, obviously the mineral wool from years past was kind of crunchy and not so fun to put in, but are, are there enhancements that have been made in the last few years and things like that to make the install easier, better, faster, things like that? Suggestions? You know, I'll start with that. And I think our product is is very well put together. I would say from a recycled material uh, standpoint, we're up to 40% recycled material. And a lot of people have found that, um, you know, the more natural material that we use, the more basalt rock that we use, the better the quality. So it's it's not necessarily falling apart in your hands. It's not uh, really brittle. Um, it stays together when it comes out of the bag and you and you install it. Our products are also uh, friction fit. The bat products are friction fit products. So you stand them up in the wall cavity, press them into the wall cavity, and um, they stay there. They don't slump over time. They don't sag uh, over time. Uh, cavity rock products are really great to use on facades that have you know, different radiuses, um, that they, they can conform to those. And, and I think, I think they're really easy to use. I've installed them in my basement. I've installed them, uh, in friends houses. And, and I think they're really easy to use. Brendan, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I would add, um, to the installability of, of our products and, and specifically about the bats, um, is that we, we kind of, uh, market our, our flexible edge that we have on our comfort bat products. Um, which really adds to that uh, compression fit, that friction fit that Jason talked about, and really is just you're, you're inserting the bat into the studs, you compress it slightly, and that flexible fit really lets you compress it uh, to be able to fit it into the stud. And then when you release it, it, it kind of expands back out and fills that space and, and leaves no gaps um, in between the installation and the stud. So that, that kind of installability with with our bat products is really something that we try to push uh, and and get out there to, to let people know how to actually install it i like that that's got to be a much easier way to achieve grade one because you don't want any of those gaps going down the edges when you install those so that's that's a great point now um you know brendan the the next thing i wanted to ask is still on the installability piece 
Are there any fastening systems you guys really like that are newer out there into the market? Because we start looking at cavity rock and the growth of cavity rock and, and you know exterior insulations, even in terms of residential. What really are, you know, what would be your top picks for fastening systems for those? Uh, I mean, Jason might have a little bit more um, on on actual systems as he's out in the field a little bit more than I am. But uh, just on, I guess, on the residential side, um, I would say our, our basic re recommendation is to use uh, really just furring strips um, and and uh, nails to to fasten, try to make it as easy as possible on that residential side. Um, on on more commercial construction um, for our cavity rock products, uh, some of the more uh, again energy efficient uh, fiberglass clip uh, and rail systems, I think, is is something we we more uh, gear towards uh, more because of that energy efficiency. You're not losing so much because of that steel that you might have on some of the other systems. Um, so some of those newer systems, I think, is something that we would want to to drive a little bit more towards. Yeah, I'd agree, uh, Brendan. And and really, Ken, it's it's all about the system. It's all about the facade. You know, um, if if the facade is brick, then obviously there's going to be brick ties and stick pins and washers included in there. Um, if it's a girt system, obviously you're going to have girts along with uh, stick pins and washers. Uh, of course, you've got these more advanced systems like Brendan touched on, uh, like like. Uh, the clip and rail like uh, Smart CI, Cascadia clip, even Nightwall clips. Um, th those are all those are all being thought of more often now because of uh, the sustainability of buildings. You know, we don't want our value to be lost on an exterior wall. So uh, how are we? How are we? How are we keeping the 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 R value in right rather than letting it escape? One that really, uh, in my mind, that I see, it's architects drive specifications. And when you look at why architects are switching to your product, what, what do you think is the main drivers for architects to switch to your product? You know, Ken, um, I, I think the big one right now um, is, is fire and non-combustibility. Uh, that really comes into play as far as commercial buildings go. Uh, usually, it's because of NFPA 285 being triggered, um, the, being included in the new building code. Um, with Stonewall, it means that achieving NFPA 285 assemblies that pass are, are pretty simple. Um, so that's that's the big thing. The other part of it is durability of our material. Obviously, uh, we talked about it being exposed to to moisture and water. Um, but also maintaining a consistent performance uh, across all aspects of, the, of a project or a build. Um, again, it can be left exposed uh, for a normal construction period or a construction timeline. Um, it can, uh, you know, it's going to stand up over the life of the building after it's installed. And, and of course, sustainability. We talked about, um, you know, our factory being more sustainable. We talked about how using Rockwell products can help buildings become more sustainable. And Rockwell is really getting to be a net carbon negative company with uh, our Stonewall insulation saving 100 times the energy consumed and uh, CO2 emitted in its production. So we're saving more or, or um, yeah, saving more energy um, versus what it takes to actually produce it. 
so that that's also a big thing with architects because like you said they're all about sustainability nowadays so what is this red list uh the red list <laughs> brendan you want to go into that <laughs> Uh, the red list is yeah, it's basically a list of uh, of ingredients that uh, products may have that um, can be deemed to be potentially harmful for for humans. Um, and the yeah, I think that's that's kind of the the main the gist of what the the red list is. And there's there's a quite a number of of ingredients that are included on that list. And do you guys use anything from the red list? Yeah, so we have the the one ingredient that we do have is uh, formaldehyde in our products, a very low amount, I would say, of formaldehyde, but it is on the red list. Um, and we do uh, uh, say that we do have that, that ingredient into our products. Uh, but uh, the, the one thing I would point out with the red list um, is something called the declare label, um, which we also do have, which, which means that we declare uh, a certain amount of uh, ingredients in our products. We declare what is in our products. Uh, we try to be as open and transparent about what is actually included into our products. Um, and because of the, the low levels that we have of formaldehyde in our products, we can actually get uh, red list approved declare labels on uh, a majority of our products, if not all of them. Um, and just based off of, again, how much of uh, the, the ingredient we have in our product and how much we actually are transparent with the different ingredients that, that we include. Beautiful. Well, my last question is actually probably my biggest one, and that is this age-old argument. So obviously you guys are used a lot for sound. And, uh, you know, we always talk about mineral oil when we talk about sound. Are you guys actually better for sound than most of the other products? And, and can you prove it? I, I just, because I get asked all the time, what's best for sound? What has the best sound attenuation? Where does marketing stop and where does the, the actual numbers come in? Are you guys really the best for sound or what, what's the deal on that one? Oh uh, yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll start here, um, and I'll say we we are very good uh, for sound and, and acoustic control. Um, we have uh, a number of examples of things like our our sound tunnel, uh, where you can actually feel the difference walking through that uh, just with our our three inches of of safe and sound in that. Um, I think one of the the big differences there is um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the the fit of the product. So uh, really having that that really tight fit. Um, in in the studs, uh, I think makes a big impact on the acoustic control, um, and not having those gaps, I think, make a big difference between uh, our product and maybe some other products in terms of acoustics. So when we consider sound, if we're looking at that, don't you guys have a lot of resources also for contractors on dealing with sound and sound control assemblies and things like that? Yeah, we, we have a number of, uh, of different uh, guides and, and assemblies, both on the interior and exterior of the uh, uh, walls that give uh, STC and OITC uh, rated assemblies for, for different construction types, uh, different materials and different products. So most people understand STC being sound transmission. What's OITC? OITC is uh, a little bit of a newer um rating so it, it stands for um 
outdoor indoor transmission class, I believe. Um, and it's it's kind of a newer uh, way of of looking at uh, sound transmission. And it I, I believe it takes into account a lot more of the uh, sound moving around the wall and through different surfaces and things like that. Uh, and it's a, a little bit more of a robust look at uh, sound transmission uh, when comparing to an STC class. So I have to say I was in Arizona and uh, there's a city out there by the airport where they actually want you to take readings inside and outside because rather than, to your point, rather than just considering the wall, they want the ceiling included with that and what happens between the roof and everything because you've got airplanes going overhead and obviously a lot of street noise and other noise coming through. So it makes sense to go to an all-encompassing number instead of testing a wall and hoping the wall performs in situ as opposed to the actual building. So it makes total sense. Do you guys have resources on your website for things like this? Yeah, yeah, we have um, a few different uh, uh, catalogs and brochures that have uh, uh, different wall ratings, full assemblies with with these ratings. Um, we're developing more uh, as we speak, actually, now with with full catalogs of uh, both interior and exterior assemblies that will be available rather uh, soon. Uh, that can be used for for any type of uh, building assembly, basically. And it's also probably worth mentioning that our technical services department up in Milton, Ontario, is is great at looking at different assemblies and um, given given a little bit of a judgment on how they think it will perform with all the pieces of the assembly. Oh, beautiful! So they can. Obviously, if an architect's asking a lot of questions, they can be diverted up to your technical assistance team. Yes, technical uh, technical services and our um, our building science team. We've got a, a team of building science folks uh, on staff that does a lot of work with um, RDH out in uh, uh, Vancouver. Um, people like John Straub, uh, where we can look at a bunch of different assemblies for our architects that they want on their buildings and, and, and really dive into like, what's your actual R value going to be, where are you going to have your due points? What's, what's all that analysis come down to? Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I would say by the time you give an architect something from Dr. Straub, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head and there probably (laughs) won't be much more debate. Right. Yeah. Wonderful, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today and being part of the podcast. Hopefully, this really gives people a much better idea around rock wool and mineral wool and, and you know using these types of products in assemblies and why they should move to this type of product as well. So thank you so much for being part of this. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Appreciate you uh, having us on. <laughs>